0: WNBA playoffs kind of lit you are locked on fantasy basketball your daily podcast on fantasy basketball part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today we are starting the positional tiers series of podcasts. Of course we start with the point guards when we're looking at that and to discuss the tiers I couldn't do it without uh, without a man who's just fresh back from a, uh, a couple of days at the Collective Mind Camp over there in Adelaide. It is My Basketball Monster colleague, Matt Smith. Matt, welcome back. Thank you. How you going? Uh it's good good. Good to have you back on the show. Good to get back to this uh these tiers, which we know that people uh really do look forward to listening to or watching if you are on YouTube to discussing the point guards and and the tiered base uh tiered based strategy in terms of uh drafting in fantasy basketball drafts. But for those of you who are new to listening to this show or to basketball monster in general, Matt, can you give them an idea of what uh what you what we mean by tiers in terms of uh drafting players?
1: Yeah, so what we're trying to do is group players of similar, similar overall value. So in this case, we're using our 8-cat rankings um, based on the projections that um, you've done over at Basketball Monster. Um, now, I have given a slight weighting to where players will be drafted. So although someone like um, Chris Dunn, who projects quite highly, um, you probably won't have to take him in the top 50 depending on the competitiveness of competitors' ele- competitiveness. competitiveness. <laughs> Of, of your league, obviously. So, um, And then your league format settings and strategy will we'll shuffle some of these rankings up and down. But, but like I said, we're trying to group players of overall value. Um, and it just gives you a really good view on, on our basketball uh, monster draft tracker. It tells you what stats are available throughout the draft, but using these positional tiers together gives you a really good view of um, positional scarcity too. So um, just another good tool to, to help out for your fantasy draft preparation.
0: Because it's important to know that people often ask me this question, I'm sure they ask you this question, Matt. They go, "Yeah, where, where should I reach for this guy? And half the time could, you, you don't reach for guys. There's no point because there's going to be players who do similar things in that similar level of, of uh of of production for a guy like you, if you miss out on Kyle Lowry you can get Kemba Walker who's in that similar sort of mode now there are guys who might fall in a similar tier who have really different skill sets, but it's not about, I must get this player, because once you get outside the first round, two rounds of the draft, the level of difference in terms of production from these players is really, really quite small in terms of where how different it is from, say, the top of the first round to the back end of the first round. We're talking about a significant difference there versus, you know, say, between pick 40 and pick 80. Like That sort of difference is is um, yeah, important to know. So where are these guys? Like If there's five guys in this one area and you miss out on two of them, you go, well, I've got three other guys here I can get in these next couple of rounds, but if then they they start to go. Then you've got to drop down to that next level, and you go, well, is it important for me to make sure I get a point guard here, or can I get down to that next level? So that's why it's important. It's not about focusing on a one player. It's about where do these guys all fit in these certain areas in drafts, and, and how can we make best use and get value out of the draft rather than having to reach for a certain player that we may find is a great value. And we can talk about sleepers and all that sort of stuff ad nauseum, but... A guy's not a sleeper if you then end up having to reach multiple positions to get him just so you get him and then the value ends up disappearing. So that's what we're trying to avoid people doing it and still getting that value through their fantasy drafts. Let's start by looking at these point guards. Maddie, we will start at, uh, at tier one. Take it away.
1: Yeah, sitting up there on his own is Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors. Now, there seems to be a lot of people are cautious of drafting um, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant this season, um, largely due due to that potential rest in the fantasy playoffs. Um, And we're seeing, well, I'm hearing and seeing Steph Curry already fall out of the top five, um, which if you're in that sort of second half of that first round and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are sitting there, that's... Going to be a really really nice pick. So he still should be a, a top five player on per game value this season. Um, and a bit like last season and the year before, when people were like, oh, I'm not touching Anthony Davis. You know, injury prone, and he fell to seven, eight, nine. Um, and then all of a sudden, bang, went and became the the dominant fantasy player last season. There's a chance that Steph Curry or Kevin Durant could do exactly the same thing this season. So. Um, yeah, could, could represent some nice nice value there at the, the second half of the first round.
0: In terms of you know, timing, this podcast is coming out a little bit later, but I did just record the Golden State Warriors preview with uh, the host of Lockdown Warriors, Charles Hamilton. And he said he wouldn't be surprised if, if these guys rested in 15 to 20 games. And I said, well, we've heard this for the last three years. And it's yep. never happened. Oh, they, we're going to cut their minutes after the 73-9. and nine. It's more important for the players. It just never happened. They just didn't rest games. They rested maybe one or two, exactly the same as every other player in the entire NBA, pretty much ab- outside of Minnesota. Shout out to Tibbs. These guys didn't rest. They didn't see their minutes cut down. Nothing like that happened. And yeah, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, you yeah, adding another All-Star, all that stuff. But he's going to play really limited minutes. He's going to be in a situation where he's going to have his games monitored. We, we understand that. And this is a Warriors team, for as good as they were, he had some struggles last season. Some of it was apathy. Some of them was them not giving a shit, which I know are the same thing, but I want to say it two ways. So it's not a guarantee. Steph got hurt last season, but he was really healthy for the last four to five seasons before that. So it's not a guarantee that he's seeing all these games. And he's a dry, he rank on ESPN. is number 10, I think, which is nonsense. If I'm getting him at the end of the first round, I'm really, really happy with getting him there. People do over, over value or over, I think, look at rest too much. I think, oh man, it's going to be such a killer. In the end, you, there's so many things that go into all these different things. You know, if, say, Durant does get injured, then then probably not going to be resting Steph down the stretcher, especially if they don't have as good a regular season. And remember, they weren't the number one team in the regular season last season. It didn't end up costing them. but very well could have in that Houston series in the playoffs and uh, that Chris Paul injury potentially save them. So it uh, it isn't all as 100% locked in that these things are going to happen for the Warriors. We have to see how it all plays out. But I'm, I'm not afraid of taking
1: Steph. Are you? No, not at all. And I really love... Kevin Durant as well, so um, I don't know if you want to talk too much about um, draft rankings and where we take guys, but I think we both sort of have Anthony Davis and James Harden at one and two, and then at at three, you've got Durant, Curry, Towns, Jokic, Westbrook, um, Giannis, like there's a whole range of players that you could take, and there's not necessarily a right or wrong option um, in any of them. That's why I really like the
0: first two picks. And then I also like pick 11 and 12 in drafts. I know we're digressing here because the value between guys 3 and 11 or 12 is so similar. But if you pick at 12, you also get 13. If you pick at 3, you get... Pick 22, and it's a real big difference between 22 and 13 in a standard 12-league draft. So if I can't get one of the first two, I'll take one of the last two and try and get me those two middle-range guys and get myself Paul George or Kawhi or Oladipo or or Jim Butler or Embiid or Simmons, if you want to go that high, rather than getting those guys at 22 where it might be someone like Kyle Lowry who's sitting there. So that's the way that I look at that. Again, we've digressed quite a bit, but let's get back on track, Matt, and have a look at Tier 2. With the point guards, you've got two blokes sitting in this uh, in this tier. Who are they?
1: Yeah, Russell Westbrook um, and Damien Lillard. Um, so obviously, they offer a little bit um, different stats. Um, obviously, both high scoring Lillard with more threes, Westbrook with more rebounds and assists. Um, but like I said before, we're grouping um, in terms of overall value, so they sit very closely. Um, and yeah, depending on how you want to want to build your team and um, and go from there. But yeah, both should be uh, top ten players this season. Do you think that Westbrook is going to go for a third consecutive triple double average season? Uh, he's probably going to go for it, whether he can do it on not. It's another case. That's going to be a massive effort if he can go three years in a row, averaging a triple double. Um, and just you know, looking at projections, we have him very, very close to that mark. Um, his free throw percentage is going to be the big key for his value, yeah. whether he can get back, that back up into either the high 70s or low 80s. Um, that's going to be a, a big factor on his value this season. I think it bounces back. I think people, you know, there are people, man,
0: you can't take Westbrook because he's going to kill you in turnovers. I don't care about that. He's going to kill you in field goal percentage. Yes, accurate, uh, or probably accurate. He's going to kill you in free throw percentage. I don't think that's the case. That was a weird anomaly to start the season. It it did improve as the season went on, still not to the same levels, but I, I do feel that Westbrook is going to be back in that high 70s to 80s range for this season, and that bumps his value back. Uh, back up. I I don't think he gets the third consecutive triple-double average, but it doesn't matter. He's still going to be putting up big numbers. He's going to be playing uh, big minutes. I I don't think that he's going to be hitting the threes at the same rate that he was back in his MVP season, but he's still going to be really useful. And Lillard's going to hit a ton of those threes. If he can get somehow get his steals up, which I just don't, at this point, I just don't ever think he's going to be able to do, that would bump him up. But he's a he and Westbrook are both first round type of guys for fantasy. And Lillard, especially on that really high volume and really high percentage free throws. It's a massive, massive uh, piece on a fantasy team, and that can really help to lock down that free throw percentage category. He could be the number one contributor in the free throw percentage category for this uh, upcoming season, which would be huge and would go some way to maybe alleviating, perhaps not or not definitely not a Dwight Howard or or a DeAndre Jordan, but maybe someone like uh, a Ben Simmons or even an Andre Drummond. But that, it's yeah, a little bit touch and go. But he's the he's the one real guy and James Harden who can really really help in that area. Tier three, Matt. You've got four guys in this uh, in this grouping. Who have we got in uh, in tier three for the point guards?
1: Yeah, so we've probably just moved slightly into the early part of the second round here with Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, John Wall, and Kyrie Irving. Um, really like Ben Simmons. I'm not concerned with the lack of threes. They're the easiest category to find later in drafts or off the waiver wire. So really like Ben Simmons early in that second round. Chris Paul, we know he's had um, injury concerns um across his career probably better suited for rotisserie leagues or head-to-head legs with a games limit Um, but that being said still an elite point guard John Wall nightly 20 and 10 um, triple double type player and I have bumped him up a little bit in front of Kemba Walker um, mainly for in head-to-head legs to to give you that big boost in a couple of those categories Um, and Kyrie Irving Plenty of mouths to feed there in Boston, but he still projects really highly. I am a little bit concerned in terms of um, Brad Stevens might try to give him some rest and just make sure he has a healthy Kyrie Irving come, come playoff time. Um, but yeah, plenty of options there. In 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 the second round, that's the risk with all those guys with with uh, with
0: Wall, with Paul, with Irving. Is how much time are they going to miss with their knee problems? And you know, Paul with the hamstring that bothered him last season, broken hands in the past. You know, the, the reports out of Boston are that Kyrie will be fine for training camp. That the knee surgery is something that's not an ongoing problem. It was more of an infection issue due to the me- metallic objects that were in there after the patella fracture. So hopefully that problem is fixed. Uh, but I agree that they're you know, strong mid to second round guys. Simmons. Uh, like you, I don't care that he's not shooting threes. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Go pick up Wayne Allenton and get 2.7 threes per game. Like You can get it in other areas. I think Simmons as well. He could push to that top 12 zone if the free throws come up, which they did in the playoffs. He was a 70 plus percent guy in the playoffs. And if that comes up, uh look, he's a real special guy. He could average 10 assists and nine rebounds and, and over a block and, and two steals. And if he gets to 20 points and we're talking about a a top 12 sort of a guy. So He's the one I feel probably most confident with in that group. I think yep. that John Wall's numbers do bounce back from last season. Kyrie, a little bit more of a question mark. Same with Chris Paul. But they're all in that second round zone in terms of guys that we're looking at for point guards, you know, to get, get one of those guys early. Even though there are, you know, a fair, there's a fairly good distribution throughout the whole draft of point guards being available. It's not like, you know, efficient centers which disappear pretty quickly, Matt.
1: Yeah, exactly. And another really nice tier coming up in Tier 4 with Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker and Eric Bledsoe. Um, Now we know Kyle Lowry's points per game dropped significantly last season. Heading into his 13th season, 33 years of age, so there is a slight concern there and how um, uh, Kawhi Leonard will impact on Kyle Lowry as well. Kemba Walker, really like Kemba this season, Um, is in the prime of his career, 28 years of age, He's coming off three really, really solid seasons. So so plenty of um, confidence there for owners to, to draft him probably in that uh, third round, I would think, for these guys. And Eric Bledsoe. Um, he was actually a top twenty-five player last season he when he moved over to, to Milwaukee, and yeah, absolutely superb. So, um, I've done a few mock drafts already, and I've seen him sort of slide into the thirties and even the early 40s So, if that's going to stick, um, I'll be drafting plenty of Eric Bledsoe this season.
0: Well, we're, we're recording this at the end of August; it's being released in September. You guys will know that when you're listening to it. But currently, as it stands, his uh, ADP on Yahoo is forty-eight. Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's nonsense. Yeah, he is a top thirty guy pretty comfortably. I think he gets steals. He's scores. There's no one in Milwaukee that's coming for his minutes. Yeah, and Malcolm Brogdon's there, but yeah, Bledsoe is better. And, and you can talk about the issues he had in the playoffs. That's fine. It doesn't matter when we get to the regular season. He's still going to do what he does. He's going to get his steals. He'll get his assists. He'll do his scoring. He'll, he'll do what he does. He's a really strong free-throw shooter as well. I really like all these guys in this in this mid-round. And look, if you wanted to pass on some of those guys in the earlier rounds, like John Wall or Irving or Chris Paul, because you would be concerned, you can do that and then get into your third or even your fourth round with Eric Bledsoe. And that's a real strong option there. And the difference between them, it's it's there, but is it is it big enough for me to then go, oh, I don't need to get Kyrie Irving in round two? I think that it's, it's a fine move to say, well, I'll leave those guys because there is an element of risk. Whereas Walker and Bledsoe, I don't see any risk at all. Lowry, marginal, new coach, who knows how it's going to work, another year older, but still, I feel pretty confident that he's going to be that back-end, second, um, mid-third type of a player who just puts up the numbers, good assist numbers, really strong threes, you know, good free throw percentage, gets his steals and does what he needs to do, which is uh, exactly what you want a reliable guy in those early rounds, which I think Kyle Lowry can be. Let's uh, let's go on to the next group, Matt. We're up to tier five here. And I've uh, got tier, tier five, so a couple of guys in this list. Um, one guy in particular in this grouping that you've got here that people I think are quite out on, and that's Mike Conley.
1: Yeah, I know you're really... Keen on Conley, so yep. I'll get your thoughts in a minute. But um, in terms of projections, he sort of comes right out in between, like Kyle Lowry and Eric Bledsoe. The big kicker is well, you, we only have him projected for 66 games. Um, we still don't know how he's going to come back from from that injury. Um, there's been little news on him at the moment, so we're really going to have to wait for training camp. But there's top 40 value there, but is he going to play 50 games or can he play 70 games? If you play 70 games, you've got a real steal in maybe the fourth or fifth round. Um, so, yeah, how much are you willing to gamble at that point? So that's why I've bumped him down slightly. Um, and in the uh, with him is Jamal Murray um, from the De- Denver Nuggets. Had a mini breakout season last year. Um, now, the addition of Isaiah Thomas um, concerns me a little bit. Um, Mike Malone, you know... Might, might put Isaiah Thomas in the game, get hot, and that will affect um, Jamal Murray from game to game, but in terms of, of an efficient point guard who won't hurt you anywhere, does a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, that's a really solid pick in, in, in just inside that top 50 range. He's really bloody
0: good, Jamal Murray. Look, he's a great shooter, great free throw shooter. Yeah, he doesn't get you big assists because Nikola Jokic is the point guard on this team, but Murray's really strong. I do have that similar worry about uh, what Malone is going to do to screw it up with Isaiah Thomas, but maybe just given the, the high minutes that Murray did play to end last season and how well he played, that we have passed that bullshit with Malone, but we probably aren't, and some stupid crazy stuff is going to happen and it's going to of course frustrate me no and with Conley um I think part of the reticence people have with him is before the injury he he struggled last season he only shot 38% from the field and 31% from three but how much of that was the injury bothering him I say a huge amount because previously the year before 46 and 41 the year before 42 and 36 the year before 45 and 39 he's always been a good shooter This is a 12-game sample where he was struggling with a sore foot, and the shots weren't going in. His assist numbers were down. His energy was way down. He wasn't getting any rebounds at all, only 2.3 rebounds. I put it all on the the injury, and that was bothering him before he got uh, out for the season after those first 12 games. So I think we're looking at more of a 16-17, Conley maybe not that high a rank where he was the 22nd ranked guy, but a guy that can maybe jump into the top 30, maybe a top 40 sort of a guy that is being slept on. I've done two drafts so far this season. I've got him in both of them and was able to get him, I think, in the fifth and sixth round in both of those. So I'm pretty happy yeah. with being able to get a guy with that level of upside. Look, it might not work. That's That's fine. It could very easily not work. And maybe this Achilles is completely ruined, but he has had almost 12 months to recover from not even a not an Achilles tear. It was like, ended up being some sort of problem with his heel. It appears to be fixed. He's ready to go. His hair looks sick. Oh, I'm all in on Mike Conley.
1: Go for it. Yep. I like it. Let's go. Tier six. Tier six. Um, another three guys here. So we've got Lonzo Ball from the Lakers, Jeff Teague from the Timberwolves, and Chris Dunn from Josh Lloyd's Chicago Balls. Um, I'm. I'm off on on Lonzo Ball this season. I think there's a few factors working against him. Um, Obviously, the addition of LeBron, Lebron, James, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, who will all need the ball in their hands. We know Lonzo Ball had off-season knee surgery, um, should be fine for training camp in the start of the season, though. And the Lakers also didn't pay Rajon Rondo $9 million to just pay 15 minutes off the bench. So... Um, I th- my personal view is if you're drafting Lonzo Ball in the 30s or 40s, I think there's a chance you won't get your money back and, and it's, a, it's a risk. Um, Jeff Teague, not a sexy pick, but sometimes you don't need to make a sexy pick. You just need to make that right pick at the right time. Um, in a mock draft rotisserie leg that, that you and I did, Josh, um, last week, I think I got Jeff Teague in, in the 60s or 70s, which I thought was was really solid value there. needed a point guard, needed some assists. Um, doesn't hurt you anywhere. And Chris Dunn, like I said um, on the intro, projections come out really, really nicely, but I don't think you'll have to pay top 50 value on draft day. Well, not at this point. You might as we get closer to the season and everyone's um, going after him, but strong assists, steals numbers, um, in partic- particular boost his ranking. But, um, yeah, plenty plenty of scoring options around Chris Dunn as well with Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, Laurie Markkinen. Um that passing Wendell Carter Jr. as well so Chris Dunn could be in for a really nice season I'm just hoping that Dunn has some common sense with his shot selection because
0: he took some really bad shots and had too high a usage if he focuses more on setting these guys up and on the defense which I still think will come and he's going to get assists and steals and top 50 is realistically in range for Dunn and you don't have to get him around that area the minutes are going to be up, he's going to get assists he'll rebound, he'll get steals, I still don't believe that he's a very good player but that doesn't really matter in this case because he's going to be getting the minutes and the stats are going to come, he makes some bonehead Offensive decisions, but he's still going to work his way into some scoring. Now, as for Lonzo, I don't have him projected very high in terms of stats. You know, Ten and a half, six and a half, and six and a half. I think you could say that that's yeah, you know, that's there's a realistic chance of him getting that. But he blocks shots, he gets steals. Um, And if if anything comes where the free throw or any of the percentages come even to below average, then he can actually really be a a valuable guy. But of course, it is going to come down to how they use him. I have a little bit of a concern about what Rondo does. I think Stevenson is not even going to be in the rotation. So hopefully that's not too much of a concern. But I think they should be getting Lonzo the 32-33. He works perfectly with LeBron, whereas Rondo is a horrendous fit next to LeBron. So let's see exactly how Lonzo goes there. But if you're taking him in the 60s or the 50s, I think that's totally fine because there is legitimately top 25 upside in Lonzo. If he gets to be a 43% shooter and gets to 65 from the line, then that's that's within grasp. If he stays at those you know, just shitful percentages from last season then he's not going to get there. But there is still that opportunity. Whereas Teague, you summed it up perfectly, Matt. He just is what he is. He's not getting any better. He's not getting any worse. I prefer them to to see Tyce Jones a lot more. But it's not going to happen. Teague's going to play 33 minutes. He's going to score 14 points. He's going to do what he does. And uh, I don't really see anything changing for him at any point uh, in the uh, upcoming season. Yeah. Tier 7.
1: Tier 7 is D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio. Uh, fourth-year breakout season for D'Angelo Russell, Josh. Is that happening? Um,
0: Yeah, I'm pretty pretty interested in in Russell for this season. I don't think they're going to be going at him at, say, 33 a night or anything like that. But before his injury last season, he was playing really well. I believe he was averaging 20 points a game before the knee surgery last season. And then when he came back, he had a couple of really red-hot games where he was banging, I think, seven threes in a quarter and played well. Got the starting job back and played significant minutes. He can get assists he's a strong rebounder he'll hit threes the percentages are a worry with him as they are with plenty of point guards i think that he's got a a realistic chance at top 50 even if i don't think he's necessarily going to get there but he should be a comfortable top 100 guy and a a rank of 81 and an adp of 77 i feel pretty good about him beating that number
1: yep i agree and and i even think there's a chance that he could if all things going well, he could rank higher than someone like Alonzo Ball oh, or Chris yeah. Dunn come the end of the season, you know, if he has that, that excellent season um, in, in Brooklyn. Rookie Rubio, he's fallen a long way since the days of being an elite assist and steals option. That's Donovan Mitchell's team now in Utah. So, um, yeah, he's best suited as your, as your second or third fantasy point guard option.
0: I don't know how many people listening to this podcast also heard my Utah Jazz uh, preview with David Locke, but we talked about Rubio and his shooting and over the last 37 games of last season, he hit 41% from three. Um, I don't, think, I don't think anyone would know that unless they've you know, specifically dived into the statistics that he was a 41% three-point shooter for over half or for half a season, which is crazy to think of when you think, oh, he's a shit shooter. But He's improved significantly, 42% from the field, 35% from three. And of course, he's always excellent on his free throws. The big thing that's cut his value is the fact that the assists and the way that the Jazz play. If he was back getting nine assists per game like he was in Minnesota, then we'd be looking at again at a top 30 guy with those improved percentages. And But that's just not going to come back. I don't think the assists are coming back. But if that efficiency can stay up, he plays around those 30 minutes. He's really solid in this area. And still OK steals, strong rebounder, and that efficiency is not a killer anymore for Rubio. Hopefully, he can continue that on uh, through the course of this coming season. Yeah.
1: Tier 8. Yeah, we have a a mixed bag here. So we've got uh, Tionte Murray from the Spurs, Luka Dantic and Dennis Smith Jr. from the Mavericks, Trey Young, another rookie from the Hawks, and then a veteran in Goran Dragic from the Heat. So... um, Deontay Murray, I think everyone's really, really high on this season, Um, could be in for a a huge year. In the final two months of last season, he was ranked the 81st player in just 27 minutes per game, so I expect him to get a few more minutes than that this season, Um, and that will improve his ranking. Really good rebounder as well. that's Look at a that's thing. Pitch.
0: That's a thing with yep. Murray. Look, he's going to get you a lot of rebounds. He's not going to get yep. you assists, though. He's not going to get you nope. assists and threes. He's a very weird point guard. Steals, yes. Blocks, yes. yes. Yep. Rebounds, yes. Threes, no. Assists, no. Bad free throws. Okay, yep. field goal percentage for a guy that can't shoot. It is really weird. I think that he's going to smash that Yahoo ADP of 131. I've got no problem with him, uh, with him getting higher than this, but his upside is limited by the lack of assists and threes, I believe.
1: Yep, I agree with that. Yeah, and, and that poor efficiency, as you said. Um, Luca Doncic or Dennis Smith Jr., which one would you take? Well, I'm going to go with what I've got uh,
0: projected with these guys, and I've got Doncic uh, a little bit higher than Smith. I think yep. I know that he's got top 50 upside, whether he gets there or not, just with a, a little bit of the Carlisle handbrake put on him is a level for concern, but he's a strong rebounder, he'll get steals. Uh, he'll hit threes, he'll score. I think he'll be a, a strong-ish you know, mid-round type of a guy in that, say, 65 to 85 type of area. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd have him over Smith. I'm pretty big on Smith as well, but with Smith, it's all going to come down to efficiency. Um, I think that Smith will outscore Doncic, but Doncic will do more in some other areas.
1: And that's the thing. Like Luka Doncic could, could go at 65, and mm. Dennis Smith Jr. is still there at 85, and you've got a very sort of similar type player. Um, just 20 picks later. So, um, yeah, it'd be really inter- interesting to see how they go and what their ADP is heading into the season. Um, as, as we currently
0: well, sit, Smith is ranked 67th on Yahoo and Doncic is 146th. And Smith has a, a, a ADP of 69. Giggity. And Doncic at 104. So it's actually the opposite, whereas I believe on ESPN, it's the uh, opposite way around with Doncic at about 70 and Smith uh, around the 100 mark. So it is, it is going to be dependent on where you draft because that's a pretty big discrepancy for two guys who I think
1: are going to be in that similar area. Yeah, I think once we get, you know, another month closer to the season, I think that'll, that'll change and Luka Doncic will be, you know, have that rookie hype, so to speak. Um, speaking of rookie hype, um, Kyle McEwen's favourite player, Trey Young. <laughs> Um, where, where do you sit with Trey Young? You, people know where I sit. People know um, where Kyle sits. Where, where are you on with Young? Well, first of all, I can't believe that the Hawks <laughs> traded Luka Dantich to get Trey Young. That's going to be just a phenomenally bad decision. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm still undecided on on what I'm doing in Trey Young head to head. I might take a gamble if he's there around a hundred. Um, I don't think you can touch him in a rotisserie league because his field goal percentage is just going to be brutal. Um, but, yeah, his counting stats are, are going to be pretty good. If you're in a points league, go for it. Um, but, yeah, and then how he and Jeremy Lin and Kent Bazemore all sort of work together in that backcourt, it's going to be a really, really interesting season there in, a, in Atlanta. Um, and Goran Dragic, probably better suited for rotisserie leagues with his across-the-board consistent production, um, always been efficient. Um... He's okay for head-to-head legs, but just lacks that ability to be a game-changer in any one category. So, yeah, a whole mixed bag there in Tier 8.
0: I think Dragic is significantly overranked on Yahoo. 54th is just way too high. I don't understand it at all. He's another year old. I think he's 32 or 33 now. He took a somewhat of a step back. You have to welcome Down Waiters back into the fold. And while Waiters isn't good, he's going to get minutes. And he's going to take shots away and ball usage away from uh, guys like Dragic. Josh Richardson's elevated himself on this team now. I think that Dragic is he's like Jeff Teague, but worse. He's just solid and he, across the board production, but just at a worse level than Teague. And I would not be getting, I don't know why you would be taking Goran Dragic at pick 54. It makes no sense. Yeah. Whereas when you've got guys like you could take, like Chris Dunn here before him, or, or Jeff Teague, or D'Angelo Russell, or Rick Rubio, or DeJounte Murray, any of these guys I'd have above Goran Dragic. Um, especially if I have to go to pick 54, that just doesn't make a, a huge amount of sense to grab him in that sort of area. But they are in a similar type of range with those other players that we've mentioned there in tier eight. Just a quick note, we recorded this podcast before the Brandon Knight and Ryan Anderson trade went down, so you'll hear me and Matt talk about Brandon Knight being in Tier 9. He is clearly no longer in that zone, and I don't believe that he is a standard league player. Any longer, of course, the Suns did bring back De'Anthony Melton. They've got Shaq Harrison. They've got Ali Kobo there. Any one of those guys could be considered a flyer. They could also make another trade for a point guard at, at this point as well. But at this point, I don't see any of these nominal Suns point guards being draftable or must draft guys. If you want to take a flyer on Melton, go for it. I don't think it's going to necessarily be the case. Okobo, even less of a likelihood in Harrison. Maybe he can be a steals type guy, but I don't think any of those guys are fitting into tier nine at least, and there are many other point guards. I'd prefer at this early stage with uh, how things are shaking out in Phoenix but just when you listen to tier 9 just ignore the stuff that me and Matt were saying about Brandon Knight because we did record this one in advance of that trade let's wrap it up Matty with a tier 9 and then get on to tier 10, tier 9 you've got 4 players in that grouping,
1: yeah we've got Darren Collison, De'Aaron Fox from the Kings, Reggie Jackson from the Pistons and Brandon Knight from the Phoenix Suns, um So a bit like Dragic, Darren Collison, just an efficient point guard, won't hurt you anywhere. Um, I think Tyreek Evans will will play that six-man type role off the bench and may eat into a little bit of Collison's um, productivity um, and usage. Darren Fox, yeah, really still not sure what to make of him at this stage. There's there's a bit of upside there. but yeah, I think you you drafted wanna be in triple figures before you're sort of looking at De'Aaron Fox, yep. similar with Reggie Jackson, um, starting point guards who are, are locked in for thirty minutes per game are pretty rare at this point of the draft. So um, there is that natural attraction to, to draft Reggie Jackson there and especially if you need some some threes, um oh, sorry, some some points and assists in particular. And Brandon Knight, um, Probably won't call him quite sleeper status, but yeah, in is the starting point guard in Phoenix. Um, I think people might have to just temper back expectations a little bit. We know he didn't play last season, and the two years before that, he only played 52 and 54 games, so it is going to take some time for Brandon Knight to work his way back into basketball and into the season. So if you do draft him late, I think you'll need some patience early on.
0: He's worth a fly there. Look, we don't exactly know what Phoenix is going to do. I hope they go with a lot more Devin Booker at point guard and get all those wings out there, Jackson and and Warren and, and Bridges and Ariza, and try and run a lot more of those lineups. Shaq Harrison showed he could do some stuff defensively. I like Ali Akoba, but I think Knight's no, worthy of, of a late type of pick with some decent upside. Colson, I fear he may lose a little bit of value. He's also overranked at 66 on Yahoo. That's nonsense. You don't want anything to do with him in that area. He's passive offensively. He doesn't get big assists, and Tyreek's just another guy who who's going to take the ball out of his hands now that he is there in Indiana, whereas Fox and Jackson, they're both ranked outside the top 140. I would much rather take them than say Collison at 60. That is an absolute no-brainer to me, even though they are in the same tier. You've got to look at this ADPs, and in most cases, when you're looking at your tier nine point guards, you're going to have the choice of Fox, Jackson and Knight and Colson. a lot of cases is going to be off the board. Now, if he falls to this range, and he probably is you know, a more reliable option than these other guys, but most likely he's going to be off the, off the board there, meaning he won't be on uh, pretty much any of my teams for this coming season. And to uh, round things out, Matty, tier 10 of the point guards.
1: Yeah, George Hill from the Cavaliers, Pat Bev from the Clippers, Jeremy Lynn from the Hawks, Alfred Payton um, now in New Orleans, and Markel Fultz as a late-round flyer in Philly. Um, George Hill, I think he'll start as the point guard there in Cleveland. I don't think he'll see the season out, though. I expect Colin Sexton to take over um, later on in the season. Pat Bev, good for some threes and steals. Um, I don't think I'd draft him, though. Alfred Payton... Oh, boy. Um, he was terrible last season in, in Phoenix. And, yeah, so much usage there going through Davis Miritich, Julius Randle, and Drew Holiday. Um, Michael Fultz, a bit of upside there. Um, and if you're drafting early on, just take a fly with him and stash him through through training camp in October and, and see what happens. Um, yeah, see what his role is going to be, see how many minutes he's going to get, see if he's healthy, see if his shot's improved. Um, yeah, a lot of things there to to work through with Markel Fultz, so um, anyone out of those you, you really like or you would take a late-round flyer on?
0: Yeah, Peyton's probably the interesting one to me. People they look at his stint in Phoenix, which was horrendous, um, and, and say he was shit, because he was. But he was still the 79th-ranked player for the entirety of last season in under 29 minutes per game. He probably plays 28 or 29 minutes for the Pelicans this season, and he could get back to that level. And for a guy that can't shoot, we know he can't shoot, he was at 49% from the field last season because he takes the shots he knows he can hit. And that might not be great for NBA perspective, but it's great for us because a guy that can't shoot who's hitting above average field goal percentage, I'll take that every day of the week. Does he work like Rajon Rondo who was able to get top 100 type numbers in New Orleans in limited minutes? Yeah, Peyton could do exactly the same thing. The upside maybe isn't that high, but if you're going to pick 150, I'd be much happier taking him there rather than say Milos Teodosic in LA, who's got who about seven point guards to battle with. There's Lou Williams, there's Avery Bradley, there's Shea Gildas Alexander, Jerome Robinson. There's Patrick Beverley, who's also in this tier. Whereas in New Orleans, there's Alfred Payton, and there's huh? who else? Is that's it? There's Frank Jackson, maybe Ian Clark. Like Payton's got that job. No one else is coming and uh, and starting to unless unless at this time uh, there was reports when we were recording this that Ty Lawson and um, the list manager, Ty Wallace, were working out in New Orleans, but I don't think they're taking that job from, from Payton. So I think he's a decent bounce-back type of guy. I do worry for Milos, um, yeah, for this coming season. And Hill, as you said, maybe some value early on, probably plays with uh, young Bill Collins Sexton for a bit and then maybe gets moved on or uh, just seeds that starting position. Whereas Fultz, yeah, I love I love your suggestion. Yeah, Take him in the early draft, see what happens. If he's anywhere near the player that we thought he could be coming into the NBA, then uh, even in 25 minutes a night, he's a top 120 type of a guy, I would guess. And there's some pretty good, uh, pretty good upside value there. If until we just see how it all plays out.
1: Yep, exactly. Just, uh, just quickly, Isaiah Thomas just missed the cut. Trey Burke just missed the cut. Um, Dennis Schroeder just takes a massive hit in value, moving over to OKC behind Russell Westbrook. If Westbrook happens to get injured, obviously must own. Um, but yeah, I'm just scrolling back through the list and seeing who, who just missed the cut. So Gerion sure. Grant is another interesting one in, in Orlando. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yep. yep. Sure so, is an interesting one
0: because uh, at this point, Andre Robertson looks like he's going to be out till December. So okay. unless they start Alex Abrines or Terry Ferguson or MC Hamadou Diallo, which they may... Yeah. But Schroeder's got an opportunity to play 25, 26 minutes a night alongside Russell Westbrook as well as backing him up until Roberson returns and gets back to full health. So that might be two months worth of maybe top 110 value for Schroeder. And then he falls outside the top 160, 170. But I think we see a little bit of him working off the ball. Now, that's a, a just an absolutely horrific shooting backcourt with Westbrook and Schroeder, but they really don't have too much in terms of options. And um, Billy Donovan hasn't put a huge amount of trust in Ferguson or a Breen as it points in the pass, unless they've taken steps forward, Trudor could have that really weird early six weeks worth of value on this Thunder team. So that's uh, that's something to just monitor to see exactly how they use that rotation with Roberson out. Matt, I reckon that does us for point guards. Can you uh, let us know where you can find or everyone can find you on Twitter? You can <clears throat> excuse me. You can find
1: me on Twitter at sman sports for all your fantasy basketball needs.
0: Go and follow Matt over there at sman sports. I am on Twitter at Redrock underscore Bebel. And go leave a five star rating for this podcast. Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Thumbs up, comment. You know the drill, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Jabari Bird.